0: You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think,
1: especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you
0: make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a
1: lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor.
0: Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America,
1: touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
2: Back again is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Been on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion-Ledger. He's back. I'm back. He's back. We're all back. Ansu say's back. Back at Ole Miss, finishing his degree and also helping out the Ole Miss basketball team as a student assistant. Man, what a good deal for Ole Miss, but a good deal for him too. He's the guest on the Modern women phone line
1: coming up in about 20 minutes. But first, Nicholas, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Ben. I forgot to turn the lights on in my apartment until we started talking and I realized I was sitting in the dark. So now there's a little more light. I would take you as someone who likes the darkness.
2: Generally. It's kind of scary. You sound like a psycho.
1: That's a welcome change of pace for my normal cheery demeanor, isn't it? Well, thank you for coming back on. I appreciate it.
2: Like I mentioned, Ansu coming up, Ole Miss media day for basketball was on Monday. So we'll talk about some basketball a little bit later. But we got to get some football topics. Did you take anything positive
1: away from Saturday? Yeah, I think it's hard not to when you put up 31 points against Alabama. That's the... First time they would given up that much in the regular season since last year against Arkansas. So take that for whatever it means. Uh, I didn't come away as supremely impressed with the offense as I think some people might have. I, I tend to think you need to be a little more two-dimensional to succeed offensively in the SEC. You don't want to get trapped in the sort of system that Mississippi State had last year where they had a really good running quarterback who wasn't completing all that high of a percentage and the offense kind of got stagnant late in the year, but you don't want to extrapolate one game for an entire season. So if this is the offense, if John Rice Plumley has to be the guy, you're going to build off of this. You're going to grow off of that and you're going to hope that 36% is in his completion percentage for the rest of the year. So yeah, offensively, I think there's growth to see defensively I think the run defense is still pretty strong and the pass defense is pretty much what we thought it was uh, you're not going to slow down Jerry Judy and definitely not going to slow down Devonte Smith apparently but it'll be a much more reasonable test against guys like Elijah Lipscomb and Jared Pinkney on Vanderbilt this weekend I think the team is pretty much in the position we thought they'd be coming out of the Alabama week, maybe a little bit better based off of how they played against Alabama. That's kind of what the fans have to think. Yeah. But at the
2: end of the day, this is a results oriented business. You have to get wins and Ole Miss is two and eight. In it's last 10 at some point. we got to stop talking about incremental baby steps here.
1: You're right. But by that same token, I think some people might have to take that. It's just been a tough schedule. These last 10, I mean, they've only had maybe two or three gimme they won two of them and then last year if you want to talk about that Vanderbilt game in Nashville there were a lot of things that happened that made that not a win they haven't been succeeding and you're right they haven't been winning but before you can win 10 games you got to win five and before you can win seven you got to win five and that seems to be the goal they got to get back to five before they can prove they can get to seven eight nine ten
2: a couple of house cleaning items here before we really get going Oxford Park Commission youth basketball is just a bounce away. This is the final week to sign up for the upcoming season. Registration will come to a close on Friday, October fourth. Leagues are open for both boys and girls, ages five to fifteen. Cost to play fifty dollars, just fifty bucks. Visit the website oxfordparkcommission.com. That's oxfordparkcommission.com for more details on the 2019-20 season. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. I think 83% of their offensive output from Saturday was put together by freshmen, and that's a big deal. And you're yeah. selling that. You're selling John Rice, Plumlee, On Ely, Snoop Connor, Elijah Moore, a sophomore. But the future here, I do think there is forming what this team is going to be. Now, the question is, can they ultimately get the overall goal, and that's a win. But I do see what they're trying to be and that they're inching closer to that. I'll grant you that.
1: Yeah, I also, uh, so I used to cover LSU when I was living in Baton Rouge two or three years ago when Coach O infamously had that line, we coming after LSU lost to Alabama, but he just stared dead into the camera and said, we coming. Today, Matt Luke said, we are coming in reference to Ole Miss. On Monday, he said that in his press conference when he was asked about the freshman core. He said, it's visible. You can see how this freshman class is put together. You can see we're coming. The problem is Matt Luke isn't trying to sell the future because his future might not be as guaranteed as maybe Coach O's was when he said that. So he's his company line for the last three, four days since that Alabama game has been, we're trying to win right now. And that's what Ole Miss is doing. Rich Rodriguez said it, Mike McIntyre said it, they're trying to win for the seniors. So the future looks bright, but they're trying to make the future the present. They, they don't want to think about how good Jerrion could be as a sophomore or how good John Rice could be as a sophomore. They're saying, well, they got to be good enough now.
2: If you're trying to win, Rich Rod, then why are you running the ball on first down in each of
1: the first 12 first downs? Well, I mean, there's got to be a certain level of confidence with a quarterback making his first career at Brian Denny. But come on. Uh, yeah, you. He, you've got to be. If, if you're a starting quarterback, you got to be able to throw the ball on first down. And I'll grant that, but it was pretty obvious from watching that game that they were easing John Rice into the game plan.
2: I will say your harsh assessment of John Rice Plumlee—not harsh. You're not a harsh person, but your assessment of him last week, when you were the co-host of the podcast, you called it very decorated,
1: accomplished runner. But as a passer, there's a lot of room for growth. Is the nicest way to put it yeah he's inconsistent. I mean he he threw he took some shots deep, and when you've got one on ones deep with your receiver against one of Alabama's defensive backs, sometimes it doesn't matter how good the throw is you're you're going to lose the one on one and the coach has acknowledged that, but he also missed some throws that maybe Matt Corral could have made or maybe some of all misses quarterbacks from the past could have made, or maybe if you are the least uh, satisfiable fan in the world, maybe Grant Tisdale could have made, but He's got room to grow. I'm not going to say he's a lost cause because he definitely isn't. We saw how well he threw against Cal and we've seen that I think he had 33 touchdown passes and three interceptions last year in high school. So it's not as if he's never thrown in his life, but I do think there is a learning curve when it comes to throwing in the SEC. If you are not a natural born thrower, if you're not Tua, uh, it's going to be an adjustment period.
2: He does have something to him though. I don't know what it is. It's not identifiable, and I'm not all about that. But you see something. It's the way he commands himself. I touched on this in the second podcast last week. He takes over a team, and you could sense that, right?
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I asked him after the game, what did you say to your teammates? And his response was, I'm going to give 100%, and I expect you guys to do the same. That is his attitude. He expects from his teammates what he is giving to them. And I just got off the phone before this podcast with somebody from John Rice's past who told me the exact same thing about him, about when he was in high school, the second he started playing quarterback, everybody started playing better because he has that intrinsic leadership value. And I'm with you, Ben. I don't necessarily buy into intangibles as much as I buy into how strong, how fast, how big, how talented you are, but there is a certain degree of intangibility to his play that... Obviously, he elevated the running game. Obviously, they were getting almost five yards per carry against an Alabama defense that really adds three yards per carry. He was helping that. His physicality, his endurance, his grit, whatever buzzword you want to use, was working. Just the problem is, at a certain point, talent takes over. Grant Tisdale showed a little bit, too. He did. I, I really liked what I saw from Tisdale. i, I <laughs> The joke I made is he has thrown two passes in his life. They were both 28-yard completions to receivers named Jackson. They were different receivers named Jackson, but he, he put the ball on the money both times. I've always thought he was a better passer than Plumley, and I always, throughout the spring and fall, had the impression he was going to be the backup. Obviously, Plumley has proven himself to be even more than the backup, but I don't think anybody should sleep on Tisdale's future.
2: And that brings us to the next topic here. When you look at him You look at the quarterback situation, the competition. Where are we
1: right now with it? I have no clue. I I think that Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez don't know how healthy Matt Matt Corral is yet. And I think that he is going to, after seeing what Plumlee did this week and knowing how competitive Corral is, I think he's going to try this week. I I really do think he's going to be healthy enough to suit up, whether that means he's just going to show up on Saturday morning, see if he can move. And maybe he can't, but he's wearing pads or if maybe he's going to get a couple of drives. I just, you've seen Matt Corral fight through, in in his short time in Oxford, how much he fights. Nobody should question his competitive streak. And if you see somebody doing your job well and you're sitting there hopeless, you're probably going to try to get back on the field. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him back, if not next week, within the next two weeks, even if he isn't 100%. And also, maybe because Ole needs some throwing packages and maybe he can throw through the pain and John Rice can carry the load the rest of the way.
2: You brought up that Matt Luke said, we are coming, and you can see it. When you look across the board, Jonathan Mingo finally started to look like that A.J. Brown-like wide receiver almost thought it was signing. Made a great play in the end zone for the touchdown. You got a left tackle a lot of the time, Nick Broker. That kid's going to be a superstar. Just needs to add weight, add some strength. Jerry Onnelli, Snoop Connor, John Rice Plumley, Grant Tisdell. They are coming. The fans aren't coming. And that's the issue that Matt Luke faces.
1: Yeah, which is why I think he's framing it as they're trying to win now. You can say, hey, we're going to be good in 2021. And the fans will say, okay, we'll show up in 2021. Why, why watch in 2019 and 2020 if you're shooting for them? So I think it's a good strategy that they're saying, This isn't over yet, and I mean, if you want to get overly optimistic, Texas A&M didn't look good against Arkansas. and Mississippi State looked very vulnerable against uh, Auburn this week, and hey, suddenly those are the two wins you need. If you want to be that optimist, six is on the table just if those teams don't pan out to be as good as we thought they were. But you're right. That whole we are coming thing, there's reason for optimism two years down the line. It's just so uncertain with all the changes that could be coming to the roster, to the administration, to the coaching staff. There's a lot that could happen between now and 2021 that makes it hard for fans to sense that optimism. Changes to the roster how? The quarterback situation is interesting there's no way that all three of them are going to stay and then the roster could also change if there were coaching changes not just to matt luke but rich rodriguez and mike mcintyre have the chance to be head coaches again and when you change your scheme with new coaches some players will transfer new players will come in there's always manipulation so some players that we expect to be on the roster in 2021 there's no telling if they'll still be there even before this season started. There was no way I expected that both Tisdale and Plumley would be on the roster by 2021, unless one of them changed positions. Just because there's no reason for two quarterbacks coming in in the same class to stay together for four years. If you're only going to play one quarterback, try to win the competition. And then if you don't, you should leave. You should find a place that wants you to play because get a chance to play. You only get one time in college. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by my bookie. I don't know about you guys,
2: but for me... A game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup. Sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're going to bet, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win. You got pro football, college football, MLB playoffs in full swing, both hockey and basketball around the corner. Now is the time. It's time to get off the sidelines, get in on the action. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, T O C, to activate the offer. That's promo code T O C to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. John Rice is the guy that can move positionally, not transferring. Agree.
1: Yeah. Agree. He, uh, he started at both outside linebacker and defensive back as a freshman in high school. He has the experience there. I could see him as a wide receiver tomorrow. Yeah, if they need it. I don't know if they necessarily need a receiver, but eventually I could see him being a really good slot guy. I could also see him being an H-back if they ever start using that position again.
2: And I could also see him being a quarterback. It's interesting, and I don't want to leave out the defense either. A.J. Finley flashed. DeAndre Prince has been good. Jacquez Jones is a sophomore. Patrick Lucas is out for the year, but he was playing on Saturday. There are some guys that you can see across the board, but time is of the essence right now for Matt Luke, and you have to win. But you're right about the schedule now looking forward. The hardest part is behind them, but you wanted to at least split Memphis and Cal. You lost both of them. You look forward. State's not any good. Texas A&M might be vulnerable. It's still going to be hard to pick both of those teams off. Vanderbilt, though, You have to win this one. This is not a good team.
1: Yeah, Vanderbilt's a team that the stats are a little misleading just because they've played Georgia and LSU and a Purdue team that just throws the heck out of the football. So you look at them and they're like, oh my gosh, they're 116th in pass defense. Well, some of that's skewed because they've played nothing but first and second round talents. But that said, this is a Vanderbilt team with three NFL players on it. They happen to be at very valuable, prestigious positions of running back, receiver, and tight end. But beyond that, it's a team that Ole Miss probably out-talents, and you have to hope that that talent can come through.
2: What does Ole Miss have
1: to do to beat Vandy on Saturday? The first thing is first, is you got to get off the field. Ole Miss has been pretty putrid on third downs, and you saw it, anybody who watched the game saw it, They were getting to the quarterback. They were getting to the ball carrier on third down. They were just missing tackles. And that's an improvement over last year where they were nowhere near the ball. You got to finish those plays. And Vanderbilt has the worst third down offense in the SEC. They're bottom 10 in the country, if I'm not mistaken. You got to get off the field. You can't let Vanderbilt extend drives. You can't let them bleed clock, especially when you are the home team. And then beyond that, on offense, you mentioned Mingo I think you got to get guys like him involved, get Braylon Sanders more involved than he has been this year. I know he was hurt at the beginning of the year, but they haven't really been able to get him going since he got healthy. You can't just rely entirely on Elijah Moore and the running backs. You have to spread the ball a little bit more, maybe start using the tight ends again, like they did the first couple of weeks of the season. I think that diversity of attack on the offense could be a way to spread this Vanderbilt defense very thin.
2: Interesting that Scotty Phillips only got
1: seven carries against Alabama. Yeah, it was interesting. They they really spread the ball running back wise better against Alabama than they ever had. And maybe that's because you don't want one player getting beat up against Alabama's front, which has the chance to pound you into the ground. But the counterpoint to that would be, well, you let your quarterback carry twenty-five times. So maybe maybe you weren't too afraid about that and you just wanted to attack Alabama different ways. I think Scotty's gonna get back to being the leading carrier just because he is a volume rusher. Maybe you're seeing Snoop Connor and him kind of occupy the same role. Who has to be good on Saturday? I think that the outside linebackers and safeties are going to be very important just because of how frequently Vanderbilt uses its tight end. Uh, Ole Miss hasn't really faced a top-tier tight end yet this season, I I guess against Arkansas, but even then he wasn't very active With John Haynes out and with Jalen Julius coming off of a pretty rough game against Alabama, the safeties covering Jared Pinkney up the middle are going to be really important because if you can let Vanderbilt's tight end chunk you for 15 yards at a time, then you have to start backing off the ball and Kashawn Vaughn can gash you like the talented running back he is. So I think that the pass rush and the safeties are really going to need to work in concert to chip this guy to make sure he doesn't get free releases and then to make sure he isn't wide open over the middle of the field because that that could make your defense very vulnerable.
2: The offensive line featured at times against Alabama, Ben Brown at center, Jalen Cunningham at a guard, and um, Royce Newman at the other guard. Is the offensive line figuring it out a little bit?
1: I think it is. I mean, if I had told you on August 31st at the end of the Memphis game that Ole Miss was only going to give up one sack against Alabama, you'd have called me crazy. But maybe it's because they don't throw the ball against Alabama. Uh, still, I think the... The offensive line is mixing and matching. I thought that Cunningham was surprisingly impressive uh, against Alabama's front, maybe size versus size, and they were trying to use one of their bigger bodies to counteract Alabama's size, and it worked. I think that using Ben Brown and Eli as kind of rotation at center lets them mix up their various strengths. I was surprised that there were some sets where. They took Givens off the field, and your two tackles were Broker and Howard. I, uh, maybe have a smaller set, more of a speed set for what Plumlee does well. They're, they're really mixing and matching this offensive line and trying to go strength versus strength as frequently as they can. And I think that has contributed to the growth, along with just the general idea of, well, these guys had nowhere to go but up, and they are proving that.
2: The deal with Jalen Cunningham is simple. When he's at his best, he looks like an all-SEC caliber player in the future. He's got that type of talent, but when he doesn't do it right or on his bad plays, his misses, they're egregiously bad. And how you hone that in, that consistency we talk about so much, that's the million dollar question. But Jalen Cunningham does have that potential.
1: I don't disagree with you in the slightest. I think that he could be a linchpin piece in this offensive line. And I think with the amount of youth they have there, having somebody like that who is high risk, high reward, maybe could mitigate some of the issues they've had just because there weren't too many guys who were proving their high reward early in the season. But it's all about protecting the quarterback, but it's also all about protecting yourself. And I think that he has done a good enough job and Jack McNeil's schemes have done a good enough job of maybe hiding and clouding some of his deficiencies and highlighting some of his strengths. Who
2: wins Ole Miss or Vanderbilt and by how much? I know you don't do predictions. That's why I'm doing this.
1: Yeah, I think that Ole Miss is set up better to win than Vanderbilt is. By how much? I just don't know if this Ole Miss team is capable of blowing out anybody. I think teams are going to hang around just because of how vulnerable the, past, vulnerable the past defense has been. If you could only beat Southeastern Louisiana by 11, I don't necessarily see you blowing out Vanderbilt. But I do think that this is an Ole Miss team that is playing pretty okay. The last quarter of the Cal game, they played pretty well. The the last three quarter, three of the four quarters against Alabama, they played pretty well. If they can string it all together, I don't think this Vanderbilt team should be good enough to beat Ole Miss. But should is a is a tricky word when you're talking about this Ole Miss team. Does the 6 p.m. kickoff help the fan attendance? You would have to hope. I, I think it's going to be cooler. I think that. You're going to have more of an opportunity for people to trickle in, less of an opportunity to be stolen away by the square if the bars are closing uh, around the time the game's ending. But by that same token, you're also giving people 10 hours to pregame, so they might not make it to kickoff. Outside of
2: giving away tickets for free, how can you incentivize getting fans to stay? Because Keith Carter, he's trying to figure that out right now. He said that on this podcast. We're trying to figure out ways to keep them in the stadium, bring that experience from the Grove, bring that experience from right field and in baseball into Vault hemingway Stadium. What can you do? Now, beer sales are coming, and that'll help, but there's got to be other things promotionally they can do to incentivize staying.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm thinking about it a little bit, and some of the things that come to mind are... You know that thing they do in basketball where it's like if the opposing team misses free throws with two minutes or less to go, everybody gets free Chick-fil-A or if something like that. If you can find a way to make it so only the people who are in the stadium take a photo of the QR code on the scoreboard with less than three minutes to go and everybody who redeems it gets $10 off their next visit to whatever sponsors your podcast, I, I, maybe that could work. Or maybe there's the whole tradition angle of there are some stadiums that I know Florida just instituted that Tom Petty tri- tribute they do between the third and fourth quarter. And Alabama started playing Mr. Brightside in the second half. And there are some fans who like hanging around for that big sing-along with Alabama doing um, Dixieland Delight or something like that. If Al- if Ole Miss had maybe a more marketable young person f- student-friendly tradition that everybody could jive along with. Maybe that could work. I don't know. There's, I'm not a marketing whiz, but off the top of my head, those are potential solutions. I don't know if people are that vain or naive for it to work, but pretty good for off the top of my head.
2: Bring back from Dixie with love like they used to do, and it was such a great, iconic moment every time you went to game day, but take out the part where those stupid students, not all of them, just the stupid ones, Ruined it for everybody by yelling, the South will rise again. All you had to do was not do that. But you can change up the arrangement to ensure that they don't say that. That would help. I don't know why we got on this, but I just thought about it. Matt Luke talking about we're coming. The fans aren't. How do you get them there? Going now to Ansu Sesay, all-time Ole Miss basketball great on the modern women phone line. But first, let me tell you briefly about Grove Sharks tailgating and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football is back at home and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at grovesharks.com or like them on Facebook at grove sharks tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662 816 3493. That's 662 816 3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk a Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now select Ram trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Ansu Cisse. All-time Ole Miss basketball great. Now back in Oxford as he finishes up the requirements for his degree, helping out with the basketball team. Ansu, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be back home, i tell you that. That's what I was going to say, man. What made you get to this place to where you make the decision to come back, finish the degree, and also help out with the basketball team? How did this all come about for you?
3: Uh, well, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while, and then, you know, I just made a couple calls to the right people. You know, Kermit Davis, of course, the head coach here. Uh, you know, we corresponded the whole summer. Of course, Keith Carter being AD, one of my old teammates, and we just all corresponded the whole summer kept going back and forth about it and coach just thought it was a real good idea for me to come back thought it was a great idea and I, you know for me to come back and be around these guys as well and finish up my degree uh which will be done in december i'll be done in december at the same time i have this wonderful opportunity of being back here and being back in this atmosphere man that's exploding out here man i love it and just having a chance i'm having a ball man i'm having a ball being in this old miss atmosphere all over again
2: it's a little different than when you left answer it's totally different i mean (laughs) don't
3: get me wrong i love playing in the tab but i probably would have gave a couple fingers to play in this place
2: (laughs) the pavilion the basketball (laughs) practice facility yeah y'all didn't have those things back then
3: Oh, no. we! Uh, I had to walk across the whole campus just to get treatment. And now these guys, they got everything in one spot, and they got one of the most beautiful arenas in in the SEC, which I tell these guys every day that they're spoiled. <laughs> but I love it.
2: <laughs> Keith is the interim, and you're now helping the team. Y'all are a part of the team that really took Ole Miss basketball to another level, a level in which it had never been before, Do you feel a sense of pride then when you look around and you see what Ole Miss basketball has become? You played a major role in that. You were important for that.
3: It makes me feel really, really, really good that what it's become of. You know, my freshman year was tough. I can tell you that. I mean, we were basically doormat of the SEC. With that being said, I got an opportunity to play right away my freshman year. And by the end of the year, the coaches knew with me and Anthony Boone, we had a smaller core of two freshmen coming back. With that being said, you know, that was the start of things. And then we had that Arkansas channel with all those guys coming from Arkansas. That floodgated those guys from Arkansas. That brought everything. That brought all the little energy guys that we really needed. And Me and Keith, my senior, we were like Batman and Robin. I'll tell you that. He was on one side and I was on the other. <laughs>
2: were y'all a close group and y'all stayed close?
3: Well, i tell you what. We all still... Keep in touch with each other. We still talk almost. I mean, we've got that team from my senior year, it's probably like six or seven of us that are actually still locked into basketball and coaching right now. You know, we got Mike White, we got Flanagan, we got Raheem Lockhart, Jason Smith is doing his little thing with the Boys Club thing. We've, we've got a good core of guys, man, and that are still locked into the game. That's special to me. They guys still love the game as much as I do, and we still talk about it. We try to get out and see each other sometimes, you know. Since I've been back, guys have been coming back a lot, I can tell you that. Guys have been coming back, on, you know, on the weekends because we got Jason Flanagan, we got Jason Harrison, all those guys still coaching Junco. We got Chris Oney down there at Pearl River. We got a bunch of coaches in that JC and in, in, in the Mississippi JC Conference too.
2: Do people still talk to you about Valpo because they sure talk to Keith. Me and Keith talk about that all the time. He still gets asked about the damn Valpo game. Oh
3: man, I'm so tired of seeing that thing. <laughs> you know, they show it every every freaking year. year. Yeah, every freaking year, and I gotta revisit it. But you know, it's okay because I I learned a lot from that. And I always tell I always tell the kids that I'm around. I tell them, boy, you don't want to miss those. I mean, because you'll never you'll never forget it. They won't let you forget it but one. You gotta play. You gotta live in that moment. Man, I missed those two free throws. I can promise you, I was. I was kind of looking forward to playing against Paul Pierce and Ray for the France, that Kansas group, and just, I guess, didn't lock in as much as I normally do because I shot a high percentage from the free throw line yeah. that year. I shot like in the top five in the league in free throw percentage that year. And I don't know what happened, but, you know, I don't know what happened. But I'm just happy as heck that those guys kept the tradition going and got all these new things around here, man, because this place is beautiful. We actually just finished the practice here in the pavilion. We've been practicing here for a little while, and I can tell you, man, Coaches let me get in there. and He's actually letting me get in there and do my thing, and the guys are responding to me.
2: Ten-year-old Ben Garrett sobbed like a baby after the Valpo game, okay? Now 33-year-old Ben Garrett, he's talking to NCC, say always wanted to talk to you. (laughs) Now there are no tears back then. Oh, my God. The world came to an end, Ansu. Oh, man, I can
3: tell you what. I felt the same way. Um, I didn't even want to eat dinner with the team because <laughs> I felt so horrible. You know, you can go back and ask Coach Evans about it, man. I didn't even want to eat dinner with the team because I felt so bad. You know, for the first time ever, I let those boys down. That's how I felt. Oh, you know stop I mean? it. Stop time. it. You
2: dominated in college. You went to the NBA. I
3: dominated. I I know, I know, but that was something right there. You know, we still talk about it, you know. I'll tell you that. We still talk about it. We still talk about what we could have done with that team because, you know, those other that one team that made it to the Sweet 16, we always try to compare ourselves. Those guys try to compare themselves to us because they made it a little further in the tournament. But the bond that we had with our group was a little different. Like, Michael White was my roommate on the road. We had a different bond. I mean, like, I can tell you most college teammates – 15 years later, 15, 20 years later, those guys do not talk. The communication is is disconnected by the time you leave school. When Mike was a coach here at Ole Miss, he used to get me to come down. I, we used to hang out a little bit, you know, and go to dinner and things like that. Just the small things, you know, just staying connected and watch each other's kids grow and things like that. Because we're all grown now.
2: Did you know that he'd end up as a head coach at some point? Of course.
3: Michael White started as a freshman because of that. I knew it as a player back then. I knew Coach Evans knew it. I mean, he was smart as all else. man. You know, the guy was, it was brilliant. As a freshman, came in and, and and picked up on the offense right away. As a freshman, that's the toughest thing to to come in and pick up on the coach's offense because you're nervous as hell. You're nervous as hell. It's just just trying to halfway do things right because you're going to get picked on no matter what. But the kid came in confident, took somebody's job, (laughs) and kept it for four years.
2: I got to tell you, Keith Carter's a good friend just like he is with you, and I still to this day rib him for defending the baseline against Valpo. I still don't understand it. I still don't know why he was guarding the baseline. Everybody should have been back at half court.
3: Man, everybody messed up in that (laughs) place. I started with the free throws. Then Jason Flanagan, I don't know what he was doing. I, I mean, like, <laughs> we, I look at it every year and we laugh about it. We, Man, we pick on each other about it, trust me.
2: I had Jason Harrison on this podcast not too long ago, and he always gets to talk about the Notre Dame shot. And I was like, that team, y'all, the number four seed, Keith, Ann, Sue, Mike, that's the best team basketball team in Ole Miss basketball history. And they have to answer about that, and you get to answer about that. It's just not fair.
3: Yeah, you know, things happen. That's what what the tournament is all about, though. You know what I mean? That's what the tournament is all about. You put yourself in those situations where one play can decide the game, then things happen. We could have handled that a whole lot different. You know, their game plan was designed to stop me the whole time. And I didn't pick it up till second half, late second half, but they had those twins. I can tell you, those guys were laying on me the whole night. I can remember like it was yesterday. Those guys were laying on me the whole night. <laughs> laying on me the whole night. And we just couldn't find a rhythm the whole, our normal rhythm. We just couldn't find our normal rhythm.
2: If he misses that shot, I firmly yeah. believe you're on the Elite Eight team.
3: I agree, because I, I I think I really just looked past Valparaiso, and I wouldn't ever tell a player to do that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't ever tell a player to do that. I knew some of those guys from the Kansas team, and I was really looking forward to playing those guys. I really wanted to match up with them. That'll mess up your whole psyche. i preach that to my son because I have a, I have a – my oldest boy actually plays basketball at the University of Texas, U- UT Tyler. We talk about things like that all the time. Never look past your opponent. I knew Bryce Drew already. We played on the USA team together that summer in Italy. There's no way in the world you could have told me we were going to lose to that team. I hate to say it <laughs> live on the radio, but there's no way in the world in a million years that I thought we were going to lose to Val Price.
2: But it's a great experience to take to this yeah. current team because now they lost in tough fashion last year. It wasn't even a competitive game in the first round. You make it back to the NCAA tournament, that's a goal in and of itself, but to lose like that, you don't get to have the experience that you've been working so hard for. And you can tell, at least I can, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Brian, Tyree, Devontae, Shuler that's a bad taste that was left in their mouth. And I think y'all can share that. You can teach them how to get to that next level and what it means to carry that with you. Do you think that's a motivating thing?
3: That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here helping the team. And these guys listen to me. I've been here for uh, probably a month now, and they're already connected to me. The top guys, Brian Shuler, the guys that are returning. Some of the new guys that we have here, Kadeem Shai. The top guys. I mean, I've been working with the guys. I've been getting them in individual workouts and things like that. And the guys are, are are responding to me in practice. And I'm a new guy, and it makes me it makes me feel right at home. I can tell you that. It makes me feel like I like I'm in the right place.
2: Do you have to get down there and show them a little bit though, and so I mean, you have to give it to them a little bit, right, and show them you still of got. Course. It. Of course,
3: of <laughs> course, uh, <laughs> of course. You know, that's one thing about athletics, man. If you play the game, you got to show it to them a little bit so they can know, so so they can at least, you got to, you know, there has to be some sort of respect about your game. I'm 43 years old now. I'm an old guy. In, God, in, that in, makes in, me in bas- feel so in, old, man. In basketball terms, I'm an old guy. <laughs> exactly. I shouldn't even said that to you because I know you were a young kid when <laughs> he yes.
1: lost. Man. Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but I'm mean, I can tell you what, man, this is a good group right here the energy within this group. This team can do some special things. To me, it's kind of scary because there's so many athletes. It's not going to be easy on Coach, you know what I mean? Because when you have so much talent, because there's a lot of guys out here, there's a lot of guys on this team that could actually do things, and that's going to have a little pressure on them to stay in the rotation. This is a special group.
2: Has any guy in particular really caught your eye so far? Man, I can tell you, there's a couple of them that have caught my eye. Of
3: course, you're returning guys. You got Shuler. Shuler and Brent are oh, lights out right now. I mean, those guys are focused. Then you got KJ Buffin, who's a talent. Things are coming around for him right now. He's getting a lot more confident in his game. You got Kadeem C, who transferred, Juco transfer, but he, he started off at Virginia Tech. Then you got Luis, right here, you guys he has a chance to be a special talent, you know, because he has that size. He's around six, six uh, With that length, he can guard. He can guard the one through four. He's shooting the ball well right now. He's staying in the gym. These guys are staying in the gym right now, and I love it.
2: Had you not torn your ACL after the lockout ended, what do you think your NBA career would have been? I actually
3: broke my foot oh, the okay. first day of camp. Okay. Yes, sir. I broke my foot the first day of camp, and I missed the whole – Season. And if that would have happened, because I was a nice little group in Houston during the lockout, I was in Houston working out with John Lucas. Man, he had Penny Hardaway, Elijah, one, David robson He had all type of top 50 in the world caliber guys down there working out. And here I am, some this little skinny first year player coming out of college, you know, and having to keep up with those guys and. and I was ready. <laughs> Needless to say,
2: I was ready to play. You're from Houston. That's your home. How did you get to Ole Miss?
3: And how I got to Ole Miss, I can tell you I was playing in a tournament in Carnegie, Nebraska. And Coach Barnes, who's at UC Bakersfield, got a chance to see me play there. From that moment, they followed me around uh, to all the tournaments, Got got a chance to see me in Vegas. Back then, my A.U. coach uh, had me take an unofficial visit. I don't know if people were even doing it back then. but I was doing it back then, <laughs> there's
1: a couple of, you know
3: what I, mean? I took a couple of unofficials. But I took an official here, the University of Mississippi. I'm going to tell you my mother's initial thoughts were, you know, she didn't want me to come here. But she was like, you feel comfortable? Go ahead and take that visit. Took the visit, fell in love with Coach Evans. I can tell y'all fell in love with Coach Evans, man. He took care of me like a father. I saw an opportunity of playing in the SEC and playing right away. That's the main thing you want if you're an athlete because it's the SEC, you're gonna you're gonna get your heck of you're gonna get your you're gonna get all that squared away. They're gonna make sure you get that squared away. But you also want to make sure you're gonna play if you're one of those type of guys. That was the thing that drove me here. I knew I was going to play right away. I knew I had a core coaching staff that most likely was going to stay here. And it worked out for me. You know, I had a couple of people that thought I was crazy because everybody wanted me to stay in Texas. But I took that gamble of coming to Mississippi. Now I'm back again. place I call I ended up calling home. And now I'm back again.
2: It's a special, special thing. I had to ask you about Valpo for 10-year-old Ben, but you're one of the greatest basketball players, if not the greatest in Ole Miss basketball history, two-time All-SEC first teamer, the SEC's player yes, of the year sir. as a senior. It's awesome to have you back home, man. Congratulations. I know you're excited about it. We'll talk again for sure.
3: Yes, sir. I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. <laughs>
2: I'm here now. <laughs> that was all-time Old Miss basketball great Ansu Cisse, and this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Nick Suss. At Nick Suss on Twitter. He writes for the Jackson Clarion Ledger covering your old Miss Rebels. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank, we are the bank of Northeast
1: Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Back with
2: me now is Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Some basketball, they opened practices officially on Monday. And we were all there, got to see practice, got to talk to Brian and Devonte and Kermit. Was that the first time you've seen them since the season ended?
1: I think there was one time in July when I stopped by and talked to Brian and talked to Kermit a little bit. But on the court, yeah, it was the first time I'd seen them bounce the orange bouncy balls since Columbia. What'd you think? I think that it is noticeable that this team looks a little bit more like a grown-up basketball team. They look bigger. They look a little stronger. They look a little more intimidating than the team that was completely missing a down-low presence last year. Um, Maybe they won't be a team that relies 90% on guard play to win, which would definitely be a feather in hermit's cap if you can turn it from a pure guard team to a down-low team in one year. But yeah, I think that some of the guys last year who were undersized, packed on some weight, whether it's KJ Buffin or Luis Rodriguez or getting Carlos Curry off of his red shirt, some of those guys look like they could be stronger presences. Or, I mean, I was looking at the 17-year-old Sean. He looks like he's... 24. I mean, I know he's going to sit, but this team just looks more like a basketball team that can impose its will than a team that kind of finessed its way around the court last year.
2: No, you can see it. That's absolutely right. There is no, and this is not disrespecting DC because what a great dude. And he had a great year last year for where he came from to where he got good on him, but you don't see DC Davis. Now it's going to hurt to not have Blake Kenton. This is what I've heard. I've heard that initially they feared the worst with this quote, Blood abnormality, as Kermit Davis said, they thought he was going to be out for the year. But the expectation right now is that he's going to miss the first four games, return at Memphis. They'll take their time, but that was a scary deal, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's always scary when your injury is completely unbasketball related. If you hurt your knee and you're out for the year, at least you know why you're hurt. If you don't know why you're off the court, if something's blood related and you have to go to the hospital and get tests, that's... Terrifying. And if you want to minimalize it and talk about it from a basketball perspective, losing Blake Henson would be really hard for this team just because he is so vocal and he's so passionate. And I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think he might be the most fun player for the fans to engage with just because he's such a loose cannon who sometimes decides to shoot nine threes in a row. I, I think that's fun to watch. And yeah, I mean, if you only lose him for four games or if you only lose him for the first month, or even if you only lose him for the non-con, I think that is a, a huge success for this team because you want to have Blake Henson when the games matter.
2: He's got a great personality, and I think that's what's the biggest selling point for him. When you talk to him, he's engaging. He's the same with you as he is with his best friend, with his family. Blake Henson is consistently himself, and there's something endearing about that, and I think that that plays really well with fans as well. But his play plays with fans as well, too, in that he'll go out there, he will bomb away at three, Doesn't matter if he's missed 10. He's like Marshall Henderson. He'll take 10 more. Um, So, yeah, you'll miss that in the leadership quality that he brings. But unlike last year, had Blake gone down, and Devontae, you saw this when he went down for a little bit. If they'd have lost Blake last year, it would would have been over. This team could compensate for however long he's gone. Four games, not going to be the season. If it's a little bit longer, this team can compensate. And like you mentioned, when you look out there, you can see it. You can see guys that are going to be able to contribute. And I think it's invaluable also in practices – in pushing each other, and that's cliche. It sounds lame. Outside of Brian, Tyree, Devante, Shuler, no one is locked into a starting job. If you had to fill out the starting five right now, it's going to be Brian, Devante, Luis Rodriguez, KJ Buffin, and Hadeem C. But those other three, they have guys behind them that could push them. I mean, across the board, you see guys that could challenge for minutes, and that helps you get better as a team. They didn't have that last year.
1: Last year, one of the issues wasn't just that they didn't have depth, but there were certain positions they didn't have a second guy at. You would look down the line and it's like, well, if, if Devontae is not playing point guard, I guess it's DC now. And again, as you said earlier, no disrespect to DC, but you got to understand that Devontae was close to playing 39 minutes a game before he hurt his foot, and there was a reason why. Now you have seemingly somebody that can play every position beyond the starting lineup. And I know when we asked... Brian and Devontae about it today. They said they want to keep playing 35 a game, but they don't have to. And that's got to be huge for this coaching staff. And maybe it can even make Brian and Devontae better if they get a little more rest early.
2: You can't play them 39 minutes a game. And I know Bree doesn't want to come off the floor, but I could easily make the case that by the end of the year, what contributed to getting beaten so badly by Oklahoma in the first round of the NCAA tournament is fatigue. Brian was not yeah. good by the end of the year. Brian needs to be off the floor some. I love the competitive nature, but this is why you put together these type of lineups, these type of rosters, so that you can give your horses, Brian and Devontae, some rest, some much-needed rest. Devontae needed to sit for a couple of weeks with that injury. They couldn't afford to sit it.
1: That's the difference between last year's team and this year's team. Last year's team might have been a little more talented at the top just because Terrence Davis is such an electric talent, but... When your number seven and your number eight and your number nine are better, that ultimately makes your team better than having a superstar number one. I, I think that Brian still has the chance to be a guy who is in the top three or four in the SEC in scoring. And I think he probably will be this year if the offense entirely funnels through him. I'm not saying he'll be scoring 30 a game and take up for what TD was doing and he was doing but I think he can still be one of the top scorers in the conference but it's even more important that they have guys behind him who can score six a game and maybe get two and a half rebounds a game off the bench and stuff like that that they just didn't have last year.
2: Every player that was picked first team all SEC last year was drafted except for Brian Tyree. Do you
1: think he's an NBA Mm -hmm. player after this year? I I was going back and forth about that. I think he has NBA ability. I just don't know if he has NBA versatility yet. And hopefully that's what he adds to his game this year is maybe playing a little more positionless and being able to use his length better because I think he's a great rebounder. I think he's a great slasher. And I think he does shoot well enough to play at the next level. You just have to see him expand his game to play more like the modern NBA plays, which who knows what the NBA is going to look like at the end of this year. It changes so fast. That's a hell of a motivator, though, for him. I mean, you know as well as anybody the type of competitor he is. He told us today he's re-watched the Alabama game from the SEC tournament and the Oklahoma game from the NCAA tournament over 100 times. He's doing what he can to hone his craft and be the best player he can be, and I do ultimately think he's going to be better this year because of it, but you also have to hope he doesn't put too much pressure on himself to be the whole team because I think he kind of did in the Oklahoma game, and, and we saw what happens if he gets too internal and tries too hard. So what'd
2: you think about Andy Katz picking Ole Miss to finish 11th in the SEC?
1: I can't pretend that I have examined the rosters of the other 13 teams in the conference to nauseam like I hopefully will by the time the season begins, but I do think it feels a little bit low. This is a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year and is returning, for all intents and purposes, four starters. I know KJ was off the bench last year but he played as many minutes as any of the bigs who played i I think that there's an addition by subtraction thing going on and i think this is a team that's shooting to be fourth third fourth fifth in the conference obviously you want to be first but they want to be in that top five i think they could be in that seven eight nine ten range Uh, i feel like eleven feels a little bit low i find it hard to believe that there are
2: 10 teams that are better than this team in the sec
1: Yeah, and and if there are 10 teams better than them, good for the SEC. You've become the best conference in college basketball. And that's what they've been aiming for for the last three years. And if you are in a conversation where your 11th best team is looking like a potential NCAA tournament team, good for you. The conference has arrived as a basketball conference. And it's not just a football and baseball and softball and gymnastics and every other sport conference now. It's also a men's basketball conference. But yeah, 11 feels low. But uh, I'm I'm going to be curious to see where they land in the media vote in two or three weeks, however long from now the SEC media days are, because I think they could fit in that mid-tier somewhere. They're not going to obviously be in that top tier, but they do belong in the conversation of that five to 10 range, I think. You going to media days? I don't know. Uh, our sister paper in Nashville is probably going to handle that. So I don't know if I'm going to be Asked to do it when we have co-workers in the town this, the, the event takes place. But I'd like to go if I don't have conflicting football responsibilities. You can ride with me. Yeah, that'd be a heck of a road trip because mm-hmm. it'd be the fastest I'd ever gone in a car.
2: Uh-huh. It's better than what you do. You drive out there like a grandmother. Yeah, but I get there, Ben. It's better to live life like you do. Enjoy the scenery around you.
1: In the drive back from Tuscaloosa this week, I swear, I only had one existential breakdown. Other than that, it was totally grand. Oh, my
2: God. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at SpiritBent on Twitter. At Nick Suss on Twitter is Nick Suss. He writes for the Jackson clearing Ledger. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit ben. I'd be remiss if we got out of here and I didn't ask you about this. California's governor signed into law a bill that allows student athletes to get paid on endorsements. What do you think about mm-hmm. it? We'll get right back to Nick Suss to close out this edition of Talk of Champions after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear, the Lamar. Oxford's only traditional neighborhood is under construction brought to you by John Welty Realty a traditional neighborhood means right where you live a grocery store a brewery restaurants shops all within walking distance of your front door but what about the houses custom high-end spec houses beautiful finishes open concept modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see old Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, cheneyspharmacy.com. And Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a
1: pharmacy. I think it's ultimately good. I think you can give any slippery slope argument you want about what it can do to boosters, and I'm not refuting that. But I think the good it could create outweighs the problems it could create. I think that there is a select few college athletes who would be able to benefit off of name image likeness enough to create a burden on a university. And I don't think the university would have to foot many of these contracts anyway, because it's not like the university is the one giving the shoe deal. That said, I really do think just from a personal perspective of interacting with these athletes, I think that it's a no-brainer to let them profit off of their secondary profession. If your primary is playing football, then using your own image, your own likeness, because of what you've earned from your primary... It's a no-brainer to be able to make money off of the secondary market. Everybody else in the world can do that. That's what this podcast currently is, Ben. That is what you're doing. And I think that that's just a a no-brainer for these athletes to be able to do what every other human can do.
2: No shit. Absolutely 100% correct. I couldn't agree with you more. You walk over to Rebel Rags. They've got racks and racks and racks of number 1 jerseys. Number 10, the name taken off. Why can't A.J. Brown, Laramie Tunsil, Jerrion Ealy, John Rice Plumley, right now profit off of their success? Everyone else in the free market gets to do that except for student athletes. It's a scam. I would rather these players have money in their pockets based on what they've earned than the suits in the NCAA, coaches for that matter. Coaches don't win without players, right? I don't know how you regulate everything. I don't really care. That's not my responsibility. I don't get paid handsomely to make those decisions. But there are people that do. And it seems like an obvious thing to do to reward these players for their hard work. Oh, but they get the amount of money for scholarships and you know, they don't have to pay for student loans. Save it. That's not even a fraction of what they earn for their universities. They should make as much money off of themselves and their hard work as the free market allows. Everybody can. This podcast is funded by advertising that comes about from Laramie Tunsil and Laquan and A.J. and Robert Kim Kimdichie, all those guys performing on Saturdays. Basketball, same thing. We just talked about football and basketball for an hour. I just talked to Ansu Sesay, who had one of the greatest careers in Ole Miss basketball history, and Ansu couldn't make money off of his likeness at Ole Miss? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make a lick of sense. So I'm with you 100%. I hope that this is the first step in the people who make these decisions Doing the right thing and drastically overhauling college football and college basketball and college everything to ensure that players, men and women, get
1: what they rightfully deserve. Have you read the New York proposal? No. So in the New York proposal, it's a very similar name image likeness bill, but there is also a provision included in there where, to speak very generally, student athletes would stand to make up to 15% of the annual athletic revenue, where – schools would effectively have to share the revenue they're making up to 15% with all of the student-athletes. And it would be spread across football, basketball, as well as cross-country and volleyball. And I think that is, if you're talking about a dramatic overhaul... That is definitely a more aggressive proposal to stick it to the NCAA because then you're starting to talk about salary. Then you're not talking about making off your secondary job. You're making off your primary job. And that is going to be if that one passes, that's where the NCAA really starts having to. Make some changes because I don't think I think the NCAA is blowing smoke when it says it can't compete against a name image likeness. I think that a name image likeness bill can completely coexist with the current NCAA infrastructure. But if you're starting to legislate revenue sharing, that's when you start having to talk about unions and collective bargaining and all of the stuff that the NCAA is truly terrified of.
2: Good. They should be shaking in their boots. Whatever makes the suit sweat. I'm all for it. Screw them. They suck. Why would you want Mark Emrit taking your money instead of, I don't know, Laramie Tunzel?
1: It's a model that needs addressing. And I don't know if the name Average likeness thing is going to fix it. Because again, we talked about Jalen Cunningham for a bunch on this podcast. You think a sponsor is going to come out here and pay Jalen Cunningham enough money to profit off of playing football to to make up for working what's probably the equivalent of a 75-hour work week? I doubt it. You hope. But I I think that only the top, top, top players at every program are going to get this. So I think there's more that needs to be done. The name, image, likeness is a step, but there's still more that needs to be done.
2: Of course. But at least somebody's out there trying. And as far as competitive balance is concerned, those second and third stringers at Alabama that would be first teamers at, I don't know, UTSA, they might go to UTSA Mm -hmm. and make money off the crazy endorsements because they're the man.
1: Yeah. That's That should be how the free market works.
2: That's how it should work. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. If I'm not in a particular spot, let me know on Twitter at Spirit Ben. I'll make sure to get it there. Thank you to Nick Suss at Nick Suss and to Ansu Sisse, former Ole Miss basketball player. One of the greatest. Ole Miss basketball players in school history. Make sure to read Nick's stuff in the Clarion Ledger. Thank you, my
1: friend. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Yeah, we will. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com slash goals24. That's Chime.com slash goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.